Hello? Hello? Is anybody out there? Welcome to All the Shit with Tom and Will. This This is the Quick Hit Weekly. Weekly. What's up, Tom? What's going on, Will? Welcome back, man. Yeah, good to see you. Dude, you're popping in here flying in hot. Flying in hot. Yeah, man, dropping your daughter off at gymnastics. Would you have to slap a hoe in the parking lot or something? (laughs) Hey, fortunately, I did not have to drop that hoe. (laughs) Um, No, no, no. Yeah, man, just a busy, busy day. So high-low wildcard, man, what do you got for me this week? High-low wildcard, man. I've really been enjoying the time between when I pick my daughter up from school and when I drop her off at gymnastics. We usually have like an hour and a half. I let her pick a playground. We'll go. Today we played... I don't know, 30-some rounds of tic-tac-toe. It's been cool to have that one-on-one time because it's a bit of a calm between the storms, so to speak, and we just hang out. She eats a quick snack. We'll play around on the playground, play tic-tac-toe, do whatever. Just really enjoying that as of late. A calm between the storm in terms of going from one thing to the next or a calm between the storm of her being a toddler and loving you and being a teenager and hating you? (laughs) Well, probably both. Probably both. Really, I think that from what I've seen in others and and just in general, I think really it's Caitlin she's going to hate. So, (laughs) you know, that's that's okay. You know, and I'll be duking it out with my son, of course. But just between the, the rushing to and from school and, you know, gymnastics and then coming here and it's just a nice little time there. Yeah, just a breather. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's that's a bit of the, the high, you know, just kind of trying to enjoy the moment uh, before it passes by. I'll be honest, as far as a low the past week or so, I've just been freaking dissatisfied with everything in general, like everything. And so I've just been trying to keep things in perspective and deal with that, realizing that my bad is not that bad and a lot of people would much rather deal with my bad than you know be sitting in a hospital bed dying or sure yeah when you say that though are you talking about like feeling depressed just dissatisfied not depressed yeah everything sucks you know nothing is what I would like it to be where I want it to be just kind of uh, annoyed I think there's not to beat a dead horse but the underlying drudgery of the health related stuff it kind of keeps me at a base level of, of annoyed and then if I allow you know my dissatisfaction in other areas of my life's you know, to weigh on me, it, it just kind of compounds. Well, what are some of those things? Oh, just everything, man. I'm, you know, I'm not where I want to be in my career. Financially, I'm not where I want to be. I don't have the house I want. I don't have the car I want. Like all these things. Is it solely material? No, no, I wouldn't say it's material. You know, um, I wish I had accomplished more than I have at this point in my life. This would have been a, a great spot to be in at 30. You know, at 40, not so much. A little late to the party in some ways. Yeah, but dude, I mean, you're sitting here on a Wednesday afternoon talking to me. I mean, yeah, what could be better, right? (laughs) Trying to keep things in perspective, it's not that bad. But I just had a bit of a, a patch where I'm just like, man, this is bullshit. This is not what I want. And, you know, for that brief moment, I allowed myself to feel that way. You know, it's like I didn't feel like there was a lot I could do about it. So when you have those moments and you're thinking about that stuff, do you think about your path out or do you just kind of sit there and... It depends. It depends on how stuck in that negative mindset I am. Certainly the way to get out of being in that mental space is to think about your path out of the things you're not happy about. How do you drive improvement in those areas? You identify that and then you get busy doing it. And a lot of times just the act of working towards that is enough to pull yourself out of that, out of that funk. Sometimes, you know, just like anybody else, I'll be, I'll be a little bitch and I'll be like, 
this sucks, you know, and just succumb to that brief moment of victim's mentality or whatever, which I hate when I see it in other people. I hate it even more when I see it myself, but sometimes it's it's good to just be a little salty. Yeah, I don't, you, I don't know. you get yeah. that from time to time, right? Yeah, it's almost just like embrace the suck. I mean, part of it is also being able to sit with your emotions mm-hmm. and embrace it, like you said, right? Yeah. So identifying, yeah, I feel shitty. I'm going to pout about it for five minutes. Yeah. But you can't look at yourself and think, oh, well, I'm too good to pout. I've got nothing to complain about. No, man. You still get to complain. Right. Just don't make a habit of it and don't stretch it out over the course of a week and pull everyone in your orbit Absolutely. toward you into that negative energy, you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So that's kind of kind of it for the low. But, you know, I'm, I feel like I'm on the upswing. And certainly these things are shorter duration than they have been in the past. So that's good. Wild card. <laughs> This one, so I'm driving my daughter to school this morning, and it's it's quiet. She's been quiet for 10 or 15 minutes. She's been reading a book, and uh, just I'm listening to the radio, just kind of zoning out. And she goes, ah, I can't wait another three days. And I'm like, Lil, what are you talking about? And she's like, I, I just can't wait to crush these fools. And I'm like, what, three days? And I do the math in my head. I'm like, are you talking about soccer? It's her first soccer game on Saturday. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, I just I just can't wait to crush them. And, and she starts talking about how this year on her team, I guess she's been sizing everybody up. Nobody's really aggressive or anything. Last year, her and this other girl were the two most aggressive. And, you know, there was a game where she had, she personally scored three or four goals, which for soccer is pretty good. And so I guess she's been sizing up her, her teammates. They just had their first practice Monday. And she sees them as collectively or individually nowhere near as aggressive as she is. It made me laugh because she was just so amped up and, and she wanted to, to go crush these fools, so to speak. But is she talking about crushing her own team? No, no, no. no. She was talking about crushing the opposing team. And then she kind of transitioned into talking about you know, how her team wasn't aggressive as, as, as it had been. And so okay. she was going to have to really try and, and get them in that mindset, I guess, and, and, and kind of get them going, be the unofficial team captain, I guess. Yeah. yeah. And you should show her, like, some old George Patton footage. <laughs> <Right>. Like, this <laughs> is how you lead. Yeah, yeah, charge the hill, right? <laughs> I think that'll be fun on Saturday, her first game. I know she's looking forward to it. So did you watch the Women's World Cup with her? We didn't. We don't. I, it, I'm sure it was on a streaming platform. We don't watch a ton of TV. We just don't have the time. Is for she it. aware of it? I don't know, to be honest. I think I think she's aware that people play soccer. That you know, you could get a scholarship for soccer. You could play at a higher level, but she's not. Yeah, I, I don't. So at don't seven know. years old, she's aware that you can get a scholarship mm-hmm. to college. Yeah. To play soccer. Yeah. So she's already thinking that far ahead. Well, I, I don't think she's thinking about it. She's aware of it because we've talked about like, you know, what do you want to do? You can do gymnastics and maybe you can go to college and do gymnastics. You can do soccer. Maybe you could do soccer in college, but that could be aside from your actual career. If you're fortunate and good enough and you work hard enough, you know, that could take you a really, a really long ways, you know, even beyond college. But I don't, I don't think, you know, she really thinks that much into it or plans, you know, her life out that far. Right now, she just wants to do things she, she enjoys. And beyond that, she's like, I don't want to get married, but maybe I'll find a husband who can work and I'll be a gymnast. I'm like, oh, or you could turn that into a career or, you know, something that you parlay into a career later on. But Yeah, I'm just curious because I feel like now is such a great time for women's athletics mm-hmm. in terms of getting the respect they deserve right. for the first time in a long time, Yeah, at, at least more regularly. And to have role models for her to watch doing the things that she loves, Yeah, I 
think that would be really inspiring. Yeah, I, 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 I agree. We just don't watch sports. I don't watch sports. Caitlin doesn't watch sports. We don't have a lot of TV time. You're not wrong in that. And, you know, I'll try and make a point. She is aware of, uh, like, gymnastics competitions. She always asks about the Olympics in particular, and she wants us to keep an eye on that. But I don't think it's clicked for her that, you know, soccer is also televised and it's played at a high level. Yeah, I know. She's seven, dude, in a house that doesn't watch a lot of TV. I know, I'm I like, know, yeah. You could you could yeah. introduce her to this. Plus, I, I want to do that, you know, before women's soccer is filled with men. I'm just saying it's fucking bullshit, but so fuck it. Go ahead. <laughs> Tell me your thoughts on that. Tell me your thoughts on that. Where's uh, that coming from? You want to, you, I just, I mean, dude. So we intentionally don't send our daughter to public school. It's, it's a madhouse. They are, in certain areas, allowing and or encouraging children who want to be animals to be animals. They're putting litter boxes in for them to shit in. They're allowing them to communicate with meows or barks. I mean, this is asinine. I'm sorry, but no, you cannot be whatever you want. You can't be a freaking dolphin. You weren't born a dolphin. Yeah, no, I understand that. But I mean, when it comes to transgender, which I think is that the root of the comment about Men right. and, and yeah, women we're probably soccer. gonna have to seriously. You think that's a, a thing, a, a problem? What I so the problem I have with it is like I'm very libertarian, you know, I'm not about spreading hate or anything like that. But what I don't want is agendas or values that aren't my own shoved down my daughter's throat, you know. And I don't think that it's acceptable for a child, a seven, eight, 10, 12, 13 year old child to make decisions that are so drastic that they will have lifelong implications that that child may then later regret. I think the guardians or the parents in that situation have done that child a disservice. No, okay. You're entitled to that opinion, but what about the idea of before women's soccer is all men? You're talking now about adults. You're talking about professional Well, do you think it's fair to allow somebody that is biologically male to compete with someone that is biologically female? Sure. Really? Yeah. You don't think they have an unfair advantage? Not necessarily. Why are these trans gender individuals that were previously male becoming women going and crushing all these women's records i think they don't have an there's one there is one instance where that was a case and it was a swimmer Mm -hmm. i think i think it's also happened in powerlifting i've seen i've seen it more than once like a a brief headline i didn't read the story but you know like pops up in your browser feed Mm -hmm. Um, well i do know a female weightlifter who transitioned to male and she got smoked so there's an advantage right and it doesn't make sense if that's the case here's the thing to me it's like if you are so set on crushing records that you want to have a gender transition there's something else wrong with you right but if you want to continue to play sports, even though you feel like you are misassigned at birth or however, right. you know, whatever the terminology is for that. All right. Well, then, yeah. So why don't those individuals compete with like individuals that were biologically the same at birth and now are physically the same in whatever sport they play? There's not enough of them. Well, yeah, I, I mean, it seems that there's an unfair advantage. You I mean, know? Based on what? Based on, you know, spending Muscle 20, mass? 30 years. Yeah. As a male with higher testosterone, lower estrogen, you have a greater capacity for strength and to build muscle. And then, you know, the moment you remove your external genitalia, you're allowed to compete as the other sex, the other gender, whatever is the appropriate term. Men and women are not the same. 
No, they're not. But I also think that physically, emotionally, there are also men and men who are not the same, and women and women are not the same. Sure. Right? There sure. are women who have higher testosterone count naturally than some men. It's just if the way it extreme, is. Sure. Yeah. And that's without doping. It's just how biologically. Well, you that's the other aspect too. Then why isn't everything on the table, so to speak? You can compete against whoever you want. You can take whatever you want in any sport because Turn. the talent still turns out. I if women want to try out for Major League Baseball, they absolutely can. Sure. Sure. Why not? Right. Are they going to be able to compete with the dudes? I don't no. know. I don't watch. And that's why they're not in the league. Yeah. But there have been college football players who are women. We're not talking about women who transition. We're talking about women, women. But in the other direction, I don't think it's fair. So should you be able to go try out and compete for women's softball? No. Because, why not? Because there's a parallel for me in the men's game. Well, there's softball. Or or the other the other way you were saying, like, women could play softball instead of going out for MLB or... Yeah, but there's no money in it. It all depends, man. It all depends. I think saying a blanket statement of, oh, if you're trans, then you don't get to play. I just, I don't see it as, as fair or appropriate that somebody was born as a man who has more physical advantages, can change themselves physically, and then play as a woman. Dude, I've seen enough female athletes that are better than so many men that, to me, it's it's not an issue. If you're at the top of your game, I don't think it's an issue. So Olympics, all, you know, everything, everything, anybody should be able to do whatever they want. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying if there is an analogous event, if there's a women's 100 and a men's 100, mm -hmm. Usain Bolt's not going to come and compete against the women. Why not? Because he is better. What if he cuts his external genitalia off? If he wanted to, at that point, if he transitioned and he wanted to, then sure. You don't think he has an unfair advantage? Dude, you're, I mean, you're looking at, that's the most extreme case. You're looking at the Just most extreme case. Just answer the question. Does he or does he not have an unfair advantage? I can't answer that question. Why not? Because, because I, you don't want to. No, because I don't. You're, you're, you're saying that if I stood up right now and cut my dick off and all of a sudden I'm a girl, do I still have an unfair advantage? Yes. But in order to go through the transition process, there's hormones, there's all kinds of other stuff that goes through that process. Right. You're not the same. It's not the same. It's not like, oh, I cut my dick off and now I'm a girl. It's not the same thing. All but it's of not the, rest the of that same. Process, it's not the same as having been biologically female your entire life. No, but then how? But there's some females who have been biologically female their entire life that have the same testosterone profile as a man who's been a man his entire life. Sure. So you're picking the one, but why would you not call it the other? And there have been cases made against. There was a particular track and field athlete who was female mm -hmm. who had ridiculous testosterone levels. She got tested constantly by doping agencies, but it was her natural state. People were like, oh, it's unfair. It's like, what the fuck do you want from her? Right. Are we not trying to find the most gifted humans? Are we not trying to see excellence? Why would you not want to include someone just because they're that much better? I, I just, I mean, I don't think we're going to see eye to eye on this. It's Show me the data is all I can say. You're throwing hypotheticals out there that they're going to be so much better. But well, show me the no data, data where they're not. There's no data. Right. So, so you show me the data. I'll show you so, the data. Like, we can't. That's the point. And I'm saying, right. you're, and I'm saying you're not going to so convince until me. You, I'm not going to convince you. Well, I'm saying until you give them a chance. And if all of a sudden, oh, all these trans girls are, are taking smoking all the this field, scholarships, they're taking all this spots. Like, well, then there's a problem. Yeah, but, but it's until too you late know, then. No, it's not. How's yeah. it too late then? Well, how many people lost out because of some twisted social experiment? It's just just not the same. You are genetically different at the DNA level. Dude, you and I are hormones. genetically different. Yes. If we competed, but our chromosomes are similar. Well, if we competed in the hair growing Olympics, <laughs> I, would, I would fucking smoke you. And it has nothing to do with our genetics. It's all. It is genetics. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. But it has nothing yeah. to do with anything else. Right, right. Now we're talking above the neck or below the neck? Because <laughs> I think I agree with the statement either way. Anyway, so, high low wild card, buddy. Yeah, man, it's my high low wild card. So the high this week was actually pretty cool. 
I don't get on Facebook very much at all. Mm -hmm. I was on there because I was setting up a Facebook page for ATS. So now that's out there. But while I was on there, I saw a post in, so the road I live on, I live in a very rural area. And so there's a group of all of the people who live on this road that I live on. Solely for closures because that's, it's such a nightmare. Is that's that, why I use it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but it's all kinds of stuff. It's Just like my dog's missing. Page. Someone's cow got loose. <laughs> you know, it's whatever. So I use it when it rains. I check and see if the roads are closed. So I checked out, you know, all the million things that I had. Yeah. And I went on to that page and I saw that one of my neighbors had posted that she had just recently taken her son out of school because he was being bullied. Mm -hmm. And I think he's got some kind of a disability. So she had to take him out of school. He's going to a new school, but she just let everyone know that he's doing all right. How old is he? Did she say? No, I would guess middle school. Okay. Yeah. I reached out to her and I said, Hey, it breaks my heart to hear that your son was going through this, but I wrote this book and I want to give you a copy. And she responded and was like, that would be wonderful. So I got to give a copy of the book that I wrote specifically for that young man. That's awesome. Right? I mean, effectively, that's who I wrote yeah, it for. Yeah, that's your audience. And so I was just overwhelmingly happy to have an opportunity to do that. Yeah, yeah, I bet. That's awesome. Are you looking forward to, you know, potentially any feedback or thoughts or will you solicit said feedback? No, I don't think I'll solicit. In the book, I wrote him a note and just said, hey, man, if you ever want to chat, give me a call or whatever. Yeah. If he wants to reach out, great. If not, that's fine. But I know that it got to him. I'd be interested, particularly in feedback from the parent, if they see any change or if it sparks any conversation between between him and them. No, I agree. I think that would be good. But I also don't want to be like, hey, did you read my book yet? Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, exactly. That'd be kind of more organically as you're chatting maybe months or yeah, a year down the exactly. road. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, follow up in a, in a while. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, that was my high. My low is related to aging. <laughs> It's a low-ish. Like I told you, I'm training right now, like training. I work out three days a week. <laughs> right. So I'm doing squats, deads, presses, bunch of kettlebell stuff. And so I was doing squats a couple weeks ago. And I had 80 kilos on the bar, man, which is nothing. Mm -hmm. And I'm doing back squats. Yeah. And my knees are just, like, they feel like they're going to explode. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I got through, like, two sets fighting. Like, my patellas felt like they were just going to snap. Mm. And I was like, ah, oh, that's it. I'm done. Just take me out back and shoot me. You know, squatting, not even your body weight, not yeah. even close to yeah. body weight. Yeah. That sucks, dude. I chalked it up to a, a bad day and let it lie. Yeah. I went back the next week and front squatted and added 20 kilos to it. Yeah. Did a five by five. No problem. Yeah. So it just was just day. the day. I didn't a taste of what's to come. Yeah, man. It was just like, oh shit, this is what it's about, huh? Dude, I have been fighting that battle for what feels like a couple of years now and it is such a but losing do you battle. remember when it used to be you could walk up to anything pick it up throw it around whatever no warm-up no stretching and just feel like there's nothing yeah i yeah man i walked into the gym a few years ago probably more than a few at this point you know pre-pandemic and within 20 minutes there was a little bit of a, a warm-up at one point you know i was deadlifting 500 pounds from a three inch deficit you know like nothing nothing yeah. it was easy and you know doing reps not not doing singles it's just easy. You know, it's just some light deficit deadlifts. Yeah. Not anymore, man. Yeah. So the, anyway, the next next workout of that week, I just was doing some kettlebell stuff, and I was a little short on time, so I didn't warm up. Just started doing swings. And I was like, yeah, so I'll work my way into it. Man, I cannot. Like, my back is jacked. Really? Yeah. Like, not in a good way. So it's taken a week, and I squatted again yesterday, which is probably ill-advised. A little bit of pain. Not a big deal. If I push it, it'll probably feel better. But no, it did not. I'm with you, dude. It sucks. 
So unfortunately, I have to say that uh, my mental game is the strongest part of my portfolio now, which isn't saying <laughs> much. <laughs> but, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. We all get there eventually. Yeah, man. So I'm told. So my wild card. This is interesting because I want to get your take on this, right? So yeah. I was talking to someone at work. You know, she saw every day I eat an apple and a can of either sardines or mackerel. Mm -hmm. And I have for years, at yeah. least five years. As long as I've known you. Yeah. yeah. And that's what I eat at work. Because it's simple. You pack it up in your bag. You walk out the door. There's no prep. There's no nothing. No it's the easiest thing to do. Yeah, no refrigeration. It's just easy. Exactly. Yeah. So that's why I do it primarily. And it's a good. You get your fat, protein, carbs. Mm -hmm. Boom, boom, boom. All yeah. good to go. So this woman, she's been ragging on me for years about eating cat food or whatever. <laughs> and then she comes in and she's telling me, you know, my husband started buying this. You know, he's, he's eating sardines and he's doing it for his health. And she starts going down this rabbit trail of blood work, cholesterol, this, that, and the other. And she says, but he refuses to go to the doctor. He doesn't want to get any kind of test. He doesn't want to get anything done. And, you know, I'm afraid. I'm afraid that he's going to die. I'm afraid that something's not going to be right. And I'm, I just worry about him. And I have to get on him and I have to get angry with him. Because if I'm angry with him, that's the only time he'll think about doing something. I was thinking about this for a minute. And I thought, no, you're going about it wrong. If you want your husband to do something for himself, getting mad at him is not going to cut it. You need to tell him how you feel. So I asked her, I said, have you told him that you're afraid and that you're worried? And she was like, no, I, I would never tell him that. I have to be the tough one. <laughs> and I'm like, no, if you want your husband to do something, you tell him that you're afraid you're worried and see if that doesn't flick that switch in him that says, I got to do this for my woman. I have to ask, this is a loaded question and I know the answer. This woman and this man are older than us, aren't they? Yes. Yeah. By a, by a good bit. A good bit. I'm shocked, Tom. No, I'm not. I think this is, I mean, it sounds almost standard to me. Like this is how people our parents age operate. Yes. But don't you think that's correct? If your wife is yelling at you to do something, you're like, stop nagging me just leave yeah. me alone yeah right but if it's I don't something want that smoke right and if she comes to you and if she shows vulnerability and fear or worry does that not change the way that you address the situation i mean it might change my response i don't know i'm gonna be like you married the most alpha dude you can find baby don't worry about it oh my god get out of here. Get <laughs> no out of here. i mean yes yeah absolutely because you don't automatically shut off I couldn't imagine living that way. I wouldn't. I could. I, it would drive me insane. I would be the most miserable prick in the world if I was being nagged constantly. Yeah, if you're being nagged constantly, it's the worst. Yeah. But if someone is showing a genuine concern, right? That's so, it. How can you get mad at that? No, you can't get mad at that. That's the point. But it also inspires action. It could. It could, right? right? In in that type of situation, yeah. I'm just thinking, and this is not a real example, so I'm not throwing Anna under the bus, but if there, was something, <laughs> if there was something going on around the house that I had just kind of been putting off, or even for myself, like if I had a health issue that I was like, eh, I don't really want to know. Like, I'm the opposite. I want to know. I mm -hmm. go to the doctor. I do all that stuff. Yeah. I'm, you know, I just turned 40. I've had a cardiologist for five years already. So That's insane. Yeah, it runs my family, though. So yeah. it's, you know. But point being, if there was something that I didn't want to do, but rather than her nagging me to do it, do it, do it, she expressed a fear, worry, or concern for her own safety or her own well-being, mm -hmm. 
I would absolutely do it because that sparks in me. I'm here to take care of you. Not that you need me, mm -hmm. but that's my role. I see myself in that way and I want to do that. Yeah, because you. you kind of view it at that point. It's no longer about taking care of yourself. It's about taking care of her. Right. So I haven't followed up yet, but I do think that's a interesting take to hear her say that she couldn't be vulnerable. She couldn't be real with her husband yeah. because he wouldn't respond. He only responds when she gets angry. I'm like, no, nah, I think he responds when he's tired of the nagging to the point that he's going to murder you if you don't stop <laughs> is probably the case. Nobody's so, going to get murdered. But if you are being real with him and showing what you truly feel rather than what you feel you need to project to get your point across, I think the outcome will be a lot more along the lines of what you're looking for. Yeah. Note to all the ladies out there, this applies. I don't know what I'm trying to say now, but I'm burying <laughs> myself here. Yeah, you are. Just abort, abort. Yeah. So that was my high-low wild card anyway. This week, we're talking about the conversation I had with Bolek or Bo. And when you were talking about your low of being generally dissatisfied, all these mm -hmm. things, I immediately thought about the way that he talks about going through life as a, meh, just brush it off and move on to the next thing. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So that was one of the things that I took away from this, that having known him for several years, mm -hmm. I recognized in him, but I thought he was just kind of aloof. But in fact, that's just the way that he approaches life. Yeah. And I wish that I could do that. And if you think about it, connecting some dots here, when you're talking about just keep going, bad shit's going to happen, good shit's going to happen, don't let either one of them pull you too far in either direction, that's equanimity. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the tenets of mindfulness that Jeff was talking about right. two weeks ago. So, you know, it's pretty crazy that here we are tying all these things together. And you're seeing someone that I didn't ask him. I don't think that he's the type to have a meditation practice of any kind. Right. But just the way he moves through the world is that same equanimity. Yeah, it's going to bother me. Eh, it might not. Whatever. Yeah, and he just comes by it a little bit more naturally than, you know, say Jeff, who is, is very intentional about focusing on it. Yeah, I think he comes about it naturally, but I think coming by it naturally is connected to his experience as the son of immigrants. Yeah, and I had three major kind of notes that I wanted to chat about, one of which is kind of his experience as a you know child of immigrants in this country, and then the other was his outlook on life and everything in general, which you just touched on. It just appeared to me that he had such a healthy outlook on everything, as you just described. You know, one story in particular that, that he, he talked about was where him and his siblings, mm. they were being babysat by a, a lady named Nadia, and she had an alcoholic husband. And it was just kind of like the, the way he described that whole situation, eh, you know, it wasn't a big deal. She, she was protecting us, you know, keeping us away from him or whatever. And it just wasn't a big deal to him. Thinking to myself, oh my God, that's, 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 that's crazy. You know, yeah. that's that like, like if you saw that as a parent, you took your kids over to have someone babysit. Oh, I'd be flipping shit, dude. Yeah. I'd probably get locked up. <laughs> yeah. Right. But is it, it's such a different perspective. And these people, they're coming over here, like he said, mechanical engineer, electrical engineer coming over here and being a handyman. Yeah. Fixing faucets and stuff. Yeah. Doctors, you know, taking, taking you know, custodial type roles it's just different it's crazy and then so you've got somebody like him who again it seemed to me had such a healthy positive outlook on life you know and that that was the way he grew up and then you could contrast that to american kids that for generations they have been here in the states and 
you know, quote unquote, have it all, but they have this victim's mentality, you know, that I touched on earlier <laughs> that I had for the last week where they're miserable and, and everything sucks and they're just angry because daddy wouldn't buy them a new car when they turn 16 or, or something like that. And it's the, just the contrast is crazy to me. And I think this speaks to something that to me is, is a bigger deal. So when I think about the immigrant experience in the United States, and I understand that immigration is a huge third rail mm-hmm. topic politically, I don't want to come at it from a political perspective. Taking that stuff off the table. When you look at someone who's willing to change their life, uproot completely from everything they've ever known, everyone they've ever known, and go to a new country to start over, to me that takes so much commitment, dedication, organization, work ethic, all of these things. Mm. How can you look at that person and say they're here to suck off the teat of the American taxpayer? It's so funny. I just started to say teat as well, right? And the other thing, right, hey, guy, are you Native American? You're from immigrants too. Yeah, ex- exactly, exactly, right? So all of us, and who knows, they probably came from Asia across the land bridge, somebody, right? Right. I mean, when you really think about it, essentially we're all people, we're all here. Right. But my point is, we put so much emphasis on anyone coming across the border is a bad person. There's that ideology, it's not even ideology, it's the picture that's given to us, Yeah. right? The painting mm-hmm. of the immigrant. And I've just never met one who is that way. Yeah. Ever. They all work their ass off. Look, man, there are people that don't contribute that are natural born citizens. There are people that contribute at a high level that immigrated to this country. There are people that come to this country and, you know, participate in gang activity. There are people that were naturally born in this country and participate in gang activity. There's no one group that is causing crime or causing whatever everybody's doing it. There are people that do good things and there are people that do bad things from all walks of life. You know, to say, well, if you enter this country by traveling north across a border, you are bad. If you enter this country by traveling south across a border, you're good. You know, that's bullshit. There's people that do good things. There's people that do bad things. They come from everywhere, all walks of life. Yeah, I would just encourage people to look at the person and put yourself in their shoes. Walk a mile in their shoes. And I've done this with a few friends of mine who are staunchly opposed to any type of immigration that is not fully validated, vetted, gone through the process, right? I understand the concept of law-abiding citizen. I understand why we have those things in place. Yeah, but in similar situations, what would that person do? Exactly. They would flee, they would move, they would try to improve their or lives. Or perhaps they wouldn't because, again, it takes someone who is that committed that or organized, Willing dedicated. To put it on the line. Yeah, yeah. You have, if you have nothing left that you could possibly lose, and that's the only way you're going to take that risk. And you're willing to fight. I mean, if you were truly a lazy bum, it would be too much effort to think about cutting your way through the rainforest, struggling across a desert, hoping that the coyotes you paid off are actually going to get you here instead of dropping you in the middle of... Yeah, or drifting across an ocean, you know, in a makeshift yes. raft. Yeah. yeah, it's crazy. Another point that this kind of transitions into is I think we're missing something. You know, I think there's something in his upbringing that we don't have the benefit of. So a great example is the part where he talks about doing taxes. And and this is not something that a typical American would have to do or would get to do. And so I'm thinking to myself, okay, well, guess what? When you have to start filing taxes, you've already got it licked, Jack. You're gaining a skill. You know, and to his point, he was he was kind of lining his pockets along the way, helping his parents out, all that. 
I think we could benefit. I could have benefited a little bit more from that type of upbringing. I think I would have started off with more tangible skills, real, <laughs> real world skills, you know. Happy um, fifth birthday, Will. Here's your W-2. Yeah, yeah. You're rocking and rolling. By the time you're out of high school, you have life skills that a lot of us spend, you know, our 20s trying to figure out. Yeah, that, and still haven't got figured out in many cases. Yeah, 20s and 30s even, and a work ethic that, that goes with it. I wonder to what extent that type of upbringing contributed to his success. I would say, based on what I heard from his story, that he's successful. He's what I would classify as a successful, well-adjusted individual. And how much of that is nature versus nurture? Probably a little bit of both, but you know, I think, again, collectively is... Americans or the way typical American children are, are raised, we're missing out on something that, you know, the way he was raised, he, oh, he yeah. gained from. Absolutely. You know, I look at my dad and coming from immigrant parents as well, different way of looking at life. Responsibility is a word that is heavily used. Even for me growing up, responsibility was like, oh, all right, don't be a dick to my parents. Yeah, 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 right? exactly. That's the responsibility. You might have to cut the grass as you get older or something. Maybe, Yeah. right? And if you don't and you say, eh, I don't want to do it today, dad will still do it this weekend. There was not a, if you don't do this, you won't get this or you won't be able to eat or you, what, right, there's no right. consequence, yeah. right? So to his point, he mentioned, you know, he loves his parents, but he also remembers having a very if this, then this relationship. Very get, transactional. Very yeah. transactional. Yeah. And I think I can't imagine having come up that way, right? There were certain things that if I really wanted something, then yeah, it was like, all right, well, if you want to do this, you're going to have to work this, this, you're going to have to do this, this, and this. Mm -hmm. But think about how many kids get a dog and promise their parents, oh, I'll take care of it, I'll take care of it. And then one or two weeks in, who's taking care of that dog? Oh, the parents, absolutely, yeah. yeah. So to think about what he went through, yes. Is there a downside to it? Yeah, probably. He didn't have any social life at all in high school. So he had to learn all those skills after the fact. But he comes up with the idea of, well, some good things happen, some bad things happen. But if I wake up the next day breathing, it's a good day. I only know what I heard from, from his interview. But I would argue he probably did have social skills. They were just not peer-to-peer -peer social skills. His social skills that he developed over his childhood were interactions with adults. Or other kids that were in the same setting. He mentioned his brother Greg, his friend Arthur, both of them coming up in the same area, and that's what was the hard transition for him, was being able to have meaningful conversations with kids who were not raised in the same setting. Yeah. And that has been a hard adjustment for him to realize that, oh, just because they didn't grow up in the Polish slums in New Jersey doesn't mean that they also haven't had something of a life experience that we can connect over. Right, yeah. So I think there is something to that, for sure. The other thing I found interesting on that same track is that <laughs> I was super embarrassed, actually, because he, he was like, I didn't even do that good on my SATs. I got 12 whatever. I know. <laughs> I did the same thing. I'm like, what did I get? Damn, dude, that's not that bad. What are you talking he about? He smoked me, I'll tell you that. And I was like, shit, I thought I had good. So, yeah. I mean, it, the level for him of what was acceptable, that bar was just so much higher. Yeah. And I think yeah. part of that is also coming from, hey, we worked our asses off to get here so you can have an opportunity. Don't F it up. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And I think, I don't know that they ever told him that, but he knew it. It was inferred. And that's why he said when he got that first B on his test in college, he was mortified. Yeah. And was like, never again. And, and it wasn't anything that anyone told him. He was embarrassed and he didn't want to let his parents down. Didn't want to let himself down. He was like, I'm going to 
turn, I'm dialing it up to 11, all work, and I'm going to get this done. Yeah. And he did. But I'll tell you what, I wouldn't have done that. I would have looked at that B and been like, hell yeah. Bro, C's get degrees. What are That's you talking it. about? Yeah. And so this is a prime example. You and I, you know, let's be honest, straight white dudes in this country, we do have some advantages. Yeah. And we're exactly the people that you were talking about. When you look at someone who's been raised in a community of immigrants, he's looking at his father. He's looking at these other men around him, some of whom have advanced degrees and are working shitty jobs just because they can't get something better because their degree is from Poland. Right. But they're freaking brilliant dudes. Yeah. And they're making it happen. If that's what you grow up looking at and you have an opportunity ahead of you and you don't take advantage of it, you're letting everybody down because yeah. they've counted on you. Like he said, they didn't have the connections to be able to pull a string and say, oh, let's, this is my buddy, Bo. Go ahead and give him a slot at whatever school. Everything that he had, he had to work for and earn on his own merits because he didn't have any coattails to ride. Yeah. And people like you and me, I don't feel like I had coattails to ride either. I don't know if you did. Uh, I definitely did not. But I would still say that our situation was much better than his just because we had community connections even if they were peripheral relative to someone starting from nothing yeah and a much larger community right right yeah and so you know i aside from grants and financial aid and things of that nature i footed the bill for college uh, for myself so to speak with support from my parents living expenses things of that nature and you know my very first semester i went to college and i was partying five nights a week, something like that. I'd wait till, you know, maybe Tuesday, Wednesday to, to get it going and uh, did the, you know, just did what I needed to do. And I can't remember what my first semester GPA was. It was in the twos. I was like, whoa, what am I doing? Why am I racking up this bill if I'm not going to take it serious? And I quit, I quit doing that. And, you know, I went to only partying on the weekends and the next semester I had a 4.0. So I can appreciate his desire and his drive, you know, be can't imagine what a 2.0 would have done to him. He would have never gotten to that point. No, there's you know? no way he would have gotten to yeah. that point. Yeah. So, so for, from him, that came kind of because of the external expectation, even if it was perceived, you know, whether or not his family community put that on him. Mine came from the internal, but I appreciate the like, whoa, I'm not wasting this opportunity, you know? Yeah, I think his was internal too. Yeah. But it is those external factors that are subliminal. The final point that I thought Bo had down was when he mentioned what is right versus who is right mm, when yeah. arguing. Yeah. That's something that I have become better at, but there was definitely a younger Tom that would absolutely die on a hill for something that I believed, even if at the end of the day, that argument convinced me that my way was not the best way to do something, right. I would still not let it go. Yeah. And I think it shows a lot of health and maturity to be able to say, hey, yeah, you're right. That is a better way. And I'm here for the right way rather than my way. Yeah, that is mature and that is healthy. And that is hard, I think, naturally for a lot of people to kind of take that approach. It's funny. We went through my points completely in the opposite order. I had them. They kind of built on each other. And, you know, that was the chronologically the way they flowed. But the, the first one I had, which I will now share last is I was kind of laughing and I thought it was funny and, and interesting the uh, the bit where you guys were talking about how basically and I'm gonna paraphrase here you started CrossFit out of jealousy. Effectively, that's yeah, true. Yeah, yes. and I'm like Tom, yeah. you insecure little bastard. He talked about feeling the same jealousy, but not 
being as bothered by it as you were. And I just, I, I was thinking about my relationship with Caitlin and just ruminating on that a little bit because I found it interesting. Caitlin has never really been into gym life or, or anything like that. And she's just not naturally very outgoing or, or interested in socializing kind of like that. And so it's never really been a thing for me. And, and I always kind of, I was kind of trying to put myself in y'all's shoes and determine what my response would be. Now, I think being younger, being in the 20s at that point or whatever, I assume I would likely have the same reaction. But here and now, my thought was if I were to try and put myself in that spot right now, baby, you got yourself the most alpha dude anyway, so I'm not worried. No, I'm just joking. Well, yeah, now it's a different story, Yeah, right? Right, because you said you, she she gets up how early and goes to the gym? She gets up at 4 a.m. to go to the gym. And are you worried about the dudes? Or are you, you no, worried because, about well, her not waking them. you up on the way out? I know them and I know her, Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So It's not a trust thing, per se. No, and that was not, like, it wasn't a trust thing. Yeah. It was more like a, I've never heard of a gym where people socialize during the workout and then go and get beers afterwards. Oh, yeah. To me, that sounds like hell. This shows my age as well. CrossFit was pretty much brand new. There were two CrossFit gyms in Denver at the time. Yeah. Two. Yeah. And, I mean, now you can't throw a rock without hitting three of them on a ricochet. Yeah. So that's how new it was. I had never heard of it. Mm -hmm. And so when she got there, you also have to remember, she moved from Indianapolis where she lived for pretty much her whole life. Yeah. And she moved to Denver at 25, 26. For what reason? To be with me. Oh, so you already knew her at that. How did you guys meet? Because you didn't grow up in... No. We met at a trade show in Las Vegas. That's right. You yeah. told me that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. And so we gotcha. dated long distance. She moved out to Denver. Damn. And so... I don't know if you were worth it, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to ask her. She'll yeah. probably tell you jury's still out. <laughs> but um, TBD, yeah. So one of the first things, she got her apartment... And I went over and was hanging out with her one night. And she was like, oh, I met the nicest guy on the street today. He invited me to a party at his house tonight. And I was like, what? She's like, yes, I'm just a nice kid on the, on the sidewalk. Just invited me to a party. I think I'm going to go. And I was like, the fuck you are. Yeah, what? So this dude can roofie you? Yeah, exactly. Here. But I th- she was a fish out of water. Yeah. And she was trying to find her way, trying to find her own friends, make her own connections, yeah. right? So then going to this gym, and it's the same story. I'm like, wait a second this sounds familiar. Is this the same kid from the street? You know, like, yeah. So yeah, I had to go check it out. Like, and then Denver, what the hell is up with this place? Well, they did call it Menver. Did it really? Is <laughs> yeah. that why you moved there? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I thought that was interesting as well. It's just a different perspective. Yeah. But him knowing that perspective and it wasn't like he didn't come to the gym. He would come. He'd be like, what's up guys? I'm out. And yeah. His wife would be there lifting with us. Yeah. That's cool. That's cool. I mean, I think, I think so, you know, even somebody that's so well adjusted as he appears to be based on, you know, that, that conversation and, and just his general outlook, even someone, you know, such as himself felt that jealousy. Right. And I think naturally when we're in our teens and late teens and twenties, we're just more, we're more aggro, right? Testosterone levels are higher. We're just aggressive. We're, you know, and so I don't know, (laughs) bro. You're not going to talk to my chick. Like, yeah. in all honesty, I think we all feel that. It's just how we respond to it. This is a great point to tell you about the one fight I've been in in my life, which is not really a fight. And it goes to this aggro point. I went snowboarding and spent the day with a bunch of guys snowboarding, came down, and Anna was downtown on a Saturday night with a bunch of girls at a bar. Yeah. So I went down to meet him, and I walked in, and there's these two dudes chatting her up. 
Mm-hmm. And so I just walked over. I was like, hey, guys, it's my girlfriend. And I Oh, just you kinda, just let it let just out kinda with like, that. Yeah. Just like slid right in. It was like, hey, you know, how, how's it going? So I said hi to her, whatever. And this little guy, sorry, Will. <laughs> Always the little guys, huh? This little, it was, yeah. the little Is guy. Is that sizeism? No. It's no you cast in shade at small guys. Douchebag. This little guy is like getting kind of puffy about it. You could tell he was drunk. Uh-huh. I was sober. I hadn't had anything to drink yet. I yeah. had just got my first beer. Went over and stuff, guys. You know, step in and talking to Anna. And this guy puffs up and he goes, oh, you know what this is? This is your Napoleonic complex. And I was like, I don't think you know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> As he's looking up at me. <laughs> and his buddy like pulls him away. They walk away. I turn around. I start talking to Anna. Is he like, hey, my boy's wicked smart. The little dude comes and jumps on me from behind and puts me in a headlock and tries to choke me like out. Like piggyback style? Yeah. <laughs> tries to choke me out. And I'm like trying to get him, but he's buried his head. And you can't reach him. Yeah. He's buried his head <laughs> in my back and he's hanging on my neck. And I'm like turning around in circles. I see his buddy looking like, oh my God, I can't believe you did it. Like, <laughs> you know, and I'm just turning around in circles. I see people all around me with that same look. I started to feel myself like, all right, I need to get out of this you're, headlock. Yeah, you're right? losing oxygen. So I fucking bit him. <laughs> this is the only thing that I could actually get any part of me on. Where to get are the him freaking bouncers? Me. They eventually got there. Right. So I bit the shit out of his thumb, and then they threw us all out. So that was my fight experience. That's crazy, man. Yeah. That's crazy. I will admit, I would stir some shit up when I was drinking in college, and there there was a group of guys I'd hang out with that were very into that. And so, you know, as I as I would become intoxicated, you know, I'd start like, yeah, let's go start some shit, right? I'm not proud of it, it's dumb, but I did it, so I'm not gonna lie about it. And I remember one time we were in Seven Eleven after, I mean, we were boozing hard. We were doing like 32 ounce Irish car bombs and just hours and hours and hours. And of course, went to Seven Eleven to get like taquitos or freaking God knows of course, what. Yeah. yeah, just garbage food. And I'm sitting there like getting nachos and just loading up. And I hear this kid say something, and I'm like, I'm just primed. I'm primed. I'm ready. And and I turn. I'm like, What the fuck did you say? Like yelled it across, you know, through throughout the store. And the place is packed, and everybody stops. And he's like. I was just talking to my buddy. I'm like, you listen to me, you mo-. and like Caitlin's like pulling, like Will, we gotta get. Go. Whoa, 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 whoa! Go. This is you weren't with your boys. You were with Caitlin when this happened. Well, we I was just with my boys, and then we yeah. So I was oh. still on that. Yeah, man, I know it's not cool, but that's the type of shit I used to do in my early twenties. We agree. Dudes in their late teens, early twenties are just assholes. Aggro, man. Yeah. yeah. Now sober, I would never. I I never did that. You know, I was always trying to avoid conflict if I could. You know, drinking, being around other guys. There's something buried in there that's like, I have to prove myself. I have to find my place, and I don't think that you actively think that, but I think that's part of the hardwiring. I mean, there there could be in like in all of us collectively. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Mm -hmm. part of it was just fun. To stir it up? To stir up shit. I remember one time, a group of guys, uh, our girlfriends were with us, and we're, we're drinking, and we're just talking shit, and talking about going and starting shit, and that escalates. Yeah, you want to, yeah, yeah, let's do it, let's do it, let's, all right, all right. So we slam a couple shots, and we go to the bar down the street, and we're looking around, and we see these two big dudes in, you know, bigger than all of us, in a booth, and they're, they're just sitting there drinking, having a conversation, and we go, and we're like, we're going to start shit with these guys. We sit down next to them in the booth, just kind of sit down, plop down, and be like, what's up, guys? You know, just kind of disrespectful like that, but without 
directly saying something or, yeah, or hitting yeah. somebody. We ended up spending like the next four hours hanging out with these guys. Had a great time, <laughs> but the intent was to stir up crap. Yeah, like, what the yeah. hell is wrong with us? Best case scenario, we get arrested. Worst case scenario, somebody dies. You know, gets stabbed, gets yeah. shot. You never know. Yeah. Gets their neck broken in a bar fight. How stupid is that? For what? Because we were young, dumb, drunk, feeling our oats. Yep, it happens. Yeah. So I'm glad to be past that stage of my life without any nobody major occurrences needs on that. my record. Yeah, nobody needs that. I think that's all I've got for today, man. Yeah. Anything else you wanted to follow up with? No, I think that's it. Just, uh, you know, please do your magic and, you know, make <laughs> me look like a raging lunatic. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I did wear my fly fishing hat today, the one that I talked oh, about. Oh, is that, that what that was? Steamboat. Okay, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, man. I, are you a fisherman? Do you fish? I, I used to a little bit. My favorite thing to do was, as a kid, you know, we were always trying to get my dad to take us fishing, just something to do. But in college, you know, I got like a small light action reel and I would just take it in my kayak and, and just float the river and just kind of fish mm-hmm. all mostly catch and release type stuff, but not into fly fishing or anything like that. Yeah, man. Fly fishing is a different animal. Yeah. And it's something that I've found that I really enjoy, but I just have not found the time or the financial <laughs> means to go in. The time, yeah. The gear you need, the, yeah. the places you have to go to all that. We I'd live rather in a great just, area for it. Yeah, yeah, really, really, we do. You can you can go, you know, just with a, some sort of open face reel and rod, go trout fishing though without having to fly fish, you know. So there's that option too. Yeah, I just suck at that kind of fishing. I grew up doing that and never caught a thing. Really? Yeah. So I'd go fishing with my brother Mike all the time. This guy would be like, throw it out there. Here's a fish. Throw it out there. Here's a fish. We're talking largemouth bass, right? Yeah. So he's oh. he's hauling them in like a freaking pro. I went fishing with this kid for four or five years. Same area. Never caught same tackle same bait like yep. yeah yeah yep. it's so weird how it works yeah i mean he's just talented i can't wait to get him on here because that kid's got some stories that you wouldn't believe so can't wait to hear him all right man i'll catch you next week yeah peace peace <laughs>